0: Stopping Scotland Scammers podcast is a Broadstance media production brought to you by the Royal Bank of Scotland. I'm Jackie Brambles and this is episode three. If you've seen Stopping Scotland Scammers on television and are thinking this might just be the same thing all over again, minus the pictures of course... Stick around because the podcast isn't a repeat of the TV programme, but it is inspired by it, taking a look at things through a slightly different lens. Like this week, sometimes the silver lining can restore your faith in humanity.
1: If I hadn't received the help that we had, we would have probably had to close the doors.
0: But sometimes it's the most charitable of appeals that becomes the biggest target.
2: Scammers stole that photo and again made up a whole nother story about this little girl being somebody else and she's dying.
0: And we'll be looking at one of the most remarkable psychological aspects of being scammed.
3: The secondary victimization means that you know you you're becoming a victim because you are a victim.
0: Every year, as the public's awareness of scams grows, the depths to which the scammers sink is quite simply breathtaking. It used to be that they'd always just quickly try to extract passwords and PIN codes and then grab the cash from our accounts. This year, though, we've seen a new trend emerge. What they do is start by putting money into our accounts and then manipulate our sense of integrity into giving it back, quickly. Of course, after we've given the money back, we find out that we've been fleeced. The fraudsters are depending on our sense of wanting to give back what we believe is not ours, of being honest and wanting to do the right thing in order to perpetrate this scam successfully. That's exactly what happened to Jim. After Jim left the army, he needed to find a business that could not just support him, but also provide work and a future for his son Jamie, who suffers from cerebral palsy. So setting up Fair City Removals proved to be the ideal solution. That was until a scammer posing as a customer asked Jim to pay a Spanish company on her behalf because she was travelling and unable to do so. Everything seemed fine, because she did deposit £5,000 into his account.
1: I get a call from the merchant uh, that I use for accepting credit card payments. It's a fraudulent transaction. It's a stolen credit card. And I was like, what does that mean to me? And he goes, well, you're liable to pay that £5,000 back. I was like, what? Uh, Complete shock, complete panic.
0: Jim just didn't have the cash flow to take the hit. He thought he'd have to fold the company. But then, something extraordinary happened.
1: Friends of mine, customers of mine, ex-military colleagues of mine had sent me £5,000. If I hadn't received the help that we had, we would have probably had to close the doors.
0: Thanks to his military chums, pals and customers starting a fundraising page on a crowdfunding website, enough cash was raised to keep Jim in business. These kinds of personal crowdfunding sites have become hugely popular and there's some heart-wrenching stories on them. People who are terribly ill with cancer and trying to raise money for a last-ditch alternative treatment abroad... The families of murder victims raising money for funeral expenses. It can be harrowing reading, but the uplifting side of it is the amazing generosity of strangers, donating money to people they don't know because they just want to help. But unfortunately, where there's money, there's scammers. Adrian Gonzalez is the founder and publisher of an investigative site in the States called GoFraudMe.com. And she looks into suspicious fundraising pages, of which there are many. And I had an illuminating chat with her about the dark side of these personal fundraising sites. So where does it start to go wrong? Because there must be instances, I would imagine, when you get um, a, a high profile um, a uh, tragedy, whether that's you know a police officer getting killed or a, or a child um, very ill or uh, a, an act of terrorism, and legitimately, I would imagine that family and friends of say let's just say a police officer who had been killed in the line of duty, they they may well set up a fundraising page and legitimately need expenses to be covered because they no longer have his income and they have burial expenses, as as you've said, but I can imagine there are also going to be, you know, the bad guys out there who, are they also setting up pages saying that they're, they're the family of the police officer?
2: Absolutely. Jackie, there was one, uh, this week there were, um, there were two deputy, well, it was a deputy and a, um, a community officer who died in a car crash this week, or, uh, I think maybe on Saturday, um, in California. So they died in a car crash and immediately somebody put up a fake fund um, and the sheriff's department had to make an announcement and say, be careful about these fake funds. And the sheriff's department was very clear that if they find out who did this, they're going to prosecute. So my hope is that the sheriff's department um, gets a subpoena and gets that information and finds out who put that out. Are there
0: any guidelines given to people who... See a terrible incident that's happened, you know, hundreds, thousands of miles away from where they live, but their heart goes out to the family uh, of this terrible uh, tragic incident that's happened, and they and they want to give maybe only you know five, ten pounds, something like that. Um, how can they be sure that they're donating to a legitimate cause?
2: Right. So to be honest, they can't. um but if you sit on it, and wait for the officials to say yes this is the this is the sanction campaign this is what you know has set up so the the two stories that I that I can recall that I have from the UK involve somebody stealing photos so this woman she gave birth to a stillborn baby and she discovered later that somebody had stolen photos that she posted on Facebook to make a fake using those photos
0: of her of
2: her, of stillborn, her stillborn child and baby mm-hmm, absolutely uh, and they
0: and it was a fake not for her but for us for a scammer just for their for own scammer. purposes
2: yep <gasps> made up the story and i can send you that but yeah it was somebody who just who took the photo that she had posted on facebook to her friends you know it wasn't a photo that she had posted to the whole internet And another one that I can think of from the UK was a woman who, um, her daughter, I think has leukemia. Um, she seems to be doing okay. So she's not like dying, but the mother put up a GoFundMe, um, to take the daughter to Disney Paris. Right. Right. So scammers stole that photo. And again, made up a whole nother story about this little girl being somebody else and she's dying and we want to take her to whatever. Oh, Um, goodness. And did they get caught? They did. Yeah, they did. Did they get prosecuted? No. Right. No. And that's a big issue. It's a big issue. And again, like I said, here in the US, we're sort of uh, law enforcement is starting to take this seriously and starting to see how they can help um, but as far as I know in the two cases in the UK no nobody ever got prosecuted
0: so what's go fraud me's mission and should people get in touch with you if they suspect fraud
2: absolutely um, I, I have a fraud reporting form um, and I hope people people can go there and fill it out uh, let me know I will certainly look into um, any campaigns that they send me Uh, My ultimate goal, honestly, Jackie, my ultimate goal would be to shutter the website. I would like for these platforms to exist to help people and have safeguards in place that protect people so that the scammers aren't out there taking advantage of people who want to be generous, people who want to help.
0: And I have a feeling that we're going to be covering fundraising website scams a lot more in the future. And you can check out advice and information to help protect against all kinds of scams at the Royal Bank of Scotland's online security centre, which you can access at personal.rbs.co.uk. When people are actually being scammed they either have absolutely no clue what's just happened or they do have a nagging sense of something not being quite right and yet many ignore what their subconscious and sometimes their loved ones are warning them of. When Sylvia was being scammed by fraudsters who kept her on the phone and at her laptop, her horrified daughter was desperately trying to stop the scam in progress. I said to her, have you given any bank details away? And
4: she said no, but perhaps at the time she was too embarrassed and scared to tell me. That's one of the reasons I went onto internet banking, then I could see that money was being moved about and taken. I tried obviously to contact mum and explain what I thought was happening, but because she kept hanging up on me, in part because I think she was too confused with talking on the phone, talking on the mobile, perhaps I was splitting the line, she kept hanging up on me. At the time, nobody was in the house with her, so I couldn't ring my dad. I rang one of my sisters to explain, and they were also hung up on, because I think maybe the guy was telling her to hang up. He had complete control of her mindset. All I could think of is I need to get her off the phone and unplug the router. And I said to her, you must, if you love me, just hang up. Just hang up the phone, hang up everything. And I really had to speak very directly to her. Mum, turn your computer off. Turn it off. And they're shouting down the phone at me, and I turned it off. I felt very angry, but also frustration because I knew what was happening.
0: And I knew that she was in the middle of a very sophisticated scam. If it's a sophisticated scam you're talking about, then it's over to our expert on the psychology of internet fraud, Dr David Moditz a specialist in online deception and the psychology of persuasion, as a research associate in the computer lab at Cambridge University.
3: Well, there is the issue of secondary victimization. It's certainly one of the things, uh, you know, one of the components here. So the concept, the secondary victimization means that, you know, you're, you're becoming a victim because you are a victim, right? So what happens, for instance, in scams is if you tell someone that you've been scammed, you know, people's reaction is, oh, you're just such a fool, you know, how could you have done that, etc, etc. And nobody wants to hear, you know, bad things about themselves. And they're victimized again, in essence, because first they became victims of fraud. And now all their friends are victimizing them again. You know, perhaps they just rip them a bit. And you know, it's all jovial. But in the end, you still feel bad about this, right? So people don't want to talk about this. They don't want to admit that something has happened. Sometimes perhaps not even to themselves, because that will lead them, you know, to victimise themselves or to be victimised by others. So they just want to keep quiet and they want it to go away. The
0: fear of secondary victimisation can also play into fake lottery scams. Who amongst us hasn't spent a while pondering how they would spend fictitious millions, Well Fraser thought he had hit the jackpot?
2: And I thought, well, I'm one of the lucky ones. All my worries are over, I'm going to go on a Caribbean cruise. So it was euphoria, wasn't it? I mean, I thought, hey, come on, um, for 300 pounds, no, no contest. So, like, like an idiot, because I had all these grand ideas of a house, a new car, etc. I paid the other 1,000 pounds.
3: The other thing is the concept of the so-called sunk cost fallacy. Right? So there's the idea that um, you've invested a certain amount of time or money or something, into a particular thing and now if you stop there will be no payoff so you should continue right and scammers abuse this
0: more from dr moditz in next week's podcast when he'll be telling us how to avoid being scammed completely The allure of winning pots and pots of money in a lottery is a strong one. And when you ask people what they would do with their winnings, the most popular answer is travel. Well, the good news is you don't need a lottery win, or in fact much money at all, to set off on your globe-trotting travels. When I wandered off on a tangent this week, I metaphorically bumped into Craig and Lauren, who've been touring the world in a camper van and on a shoestring for the past nine years.
1: So we started in Australia eight right. and a half years ago, nine years ago, um, and then we went on to Southeast Asia, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Malaysia, Indonesia, all those kind of countries. Um, and then we went to Canada for a year and went all the way down, all the way through Canada, east to west, and then all the way down the west coast of the states, um, down through Central and South America, and then hopped back across to New Zealand. Then we went to India and in Nepal to do some hiking in the Himalayas. Uh, and then we did our road trip around Europe. So I think that's pretty much covered all the ones we have done.
5: No. And then.
1: Oh, what have I missed out?
5: And then this trip.
1: Oh, this trip, yeah. This trip,
5: yeah. So we did, we've done um, China, the Philippines, Japan, Hawaii. And then we did the road trip from Alaska to Florida, which was one of the best. Oh, wow. Uh, that sounds amazing. It was incredible. And then we. Where do we go
0: after that? We've just spent two months in Morocco. Right. Oh, we've
5: Greece and now
1: we're here in Portugal.
0: Yeah. What have been your sort of your hairiest moments? Would you say?
1: Um, probably a family of black bears who uh, oh. came a little too close to the camper van. <laughs> we were we were cooking some lunch, and they must have maybe smelt the food or just been inquisitive over the camper van. And um, it was a mum and two black cubs, and uh, the mum just disappeared out of view under the under the camper van, and we're like, where is she? Where is she? And all of a sudden, she jumped up on top of the camper van on the front,
5: oh my and we
1: were both god. quite scared. Looking
5: through the windscreen at us, <gasps> sniffing her nose.
1: <laughs> I, I had my wind uh, my window halfway down, so she could have quite easily got a paw inside and possibly done some damage. But uh, I quickly turned on the ignition and scared her away. So,
0: oh my god! I mean, at, at that moment, you you know, you're sort of you're thinking, what are we doing here? <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. I think we felt, I know the window was open, but we felt
5: fairly safe because we were in the vehicle, we could drive off, Right. but we had a scenario in Alaska where we were showering outside our van, and I told Craig to be quiet because I could hear something in the woods, and it was loud, and I said, that's a bear or a moose, and suddenly our first ever grizzly bear stepped out of the woods just, I don't know, 10 metres in front of us.
1: Probably less time, yeah.
5: Glanced our way with his huge hump on his back and then just continued walking past us and didn't even come our way. It was crazy.
0: You've been away for nine years, have you, travelling? It's been nine years. Yeah. 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 And and it's of been, that nine, yeah. you spent the vast majority together in a small metal box, you know, in a camper van. Yeah. So, you know, my, my God, you need some patience then, don't you? I mean, <laughs> there's no slamming yeah. a door and stomping out the room if if he's annoying you or anything.
5: I know that's it's very difficult in August it'll be our 10th anniversary together and that'll be nine years traveling the world together and we've almost every job we've picked up around the world and back home Mm -hmm. has been in the same establishment working the same hours doing the same days off and then we might go back to our tin home (laughs) and hope we don't have an argument because if you do yeah you can't Kick him into the other room because it's always his fault, obviously. I can't so, anyway. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> You have nowhere to go. You just kind of have to suck it up. You don't want to spend the next day doing a road trip just being miserable, so you just get over it and try and enjoy.
0: <laughs> that's so interesting, though, because it it, it it places it places constraints on your interactions. But I would have thought perhaps that's quite a healthy thing to do—that you have to confront stuff. Nothing's going to fester or go yeah. unsaid or. Exactly. I think, I think we've got a very
5: bizarre relationship compared to a lot of people because spending every day together for so long, it's like we've been married for about 50 years, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and a lot of people say, God, I don't know how you don't go so mad being with each other for so long. But we just we love being with each other. Aww. I think we're
1: lucky to have found one another and we both have a very similar mentality, a very similar outlook on life. And one important thing is we don't have the normal stresses and strains of a normal kind of married life. Yeah, you're right. Uh, We don't have the kids screaming. We're not up at six or seven o'clock in the morning and we don't have financial issues as such. And, you know, where's the rent going to come from next month? So once you take those stresses out of life, you know, (laughs) it can be a lot more enjoyable. What
0: what is there to argue about, for goodness sake?
5: (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not all easygoing. There are a lot of – everyone thinks travelling is just relaxing at the beach all the time. But, you know, when you've got a camper van – that's your home and your transport. And if something goes wrong with it, how are we going to afford it? You know, we have to make sure we have enough money for mechanical issues. And, and where are we going to stay for the night? And you might go through a horrible area and have to stay in a place that makes you feel uncomfortable. And so it's not all rosy. There are definitely some very stressful days. Right. Uh, the the good days easily outweigh it.
0: I was going to ask the indelicate question of what you do in the in a sort of the toiletries department there <laughs> when you're in a camper
1: van. Well, most of our campervans have been extremely basic. You obviously can get campervans with toilets and showers in there, but they're a lot more expensive. We're on the budget scale of things. So, a spade and the woods is the best toilet we're <laughs> ever going to get.
5: And then look, we've got lakes, rivers, and a solar shower for washing.
0: Oh, that's so good.
5: Have to make sure there's some running water and hope it's not too cold. We had some very cold. December swims in Switzerland's lakes one year, so (laughs) it's unbearable, but you get over it.
1: You can get some electric showers that plug into your cigarette lighter, and then they have like a little lick and stick patch that you put on the outside of your your camper van. Right. And then you just have a shower off the side of your camper van. It's a nice little
5: power shower. It's still cold water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, apart from being amazed at their monumental adventures around the world... I was fascinated to know more about the dynamics of Craig and Lauren's relationship and the mindset that keeps them out of the rat race and on the open road together in a small metal box on wheels 24-7 for the past nine years. How old are you guys now? So I'm
5: 27 Yeah. and 34 for myself. Now how are you getting away with it? That's not
4: fair. (laughs)
1: well you do have to kind of give up some things uh depends whether you think it's giving up or not but obviously we don't have careers we don't have a mortgage we don't have babies so once you take away in our eyes those kind of those weights around your feet yeah you're free to go off and do whatever you want and you know the world is your oyster you can do anything you like
5: yeah we'd prefer to live our life now and with the consequences when we're older.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I don't think you would not be unusual to be somebody in your late twenties, early thirties who hadn't thought about oh, better th- start yeah. thinking about my pension. A uh, lot of
5: people think we're really uh, stupid for doing this. I mean, there's a lot of people that are jealous and love what we're doing. Yeah, I'm in the jealous are camp. Are, Definitely not the stupid <laughs> camp. <laughs> but there are people out there that just say, oh, it's stupid. How are you going to survive when you're older? And we kind of see it as you never know what's around the corner. Life's a
1: gamble. Yeah,
5: and. In the eight years, well, it's nearly nine years now that we've been uh, traveling around the world. We've only had to work for three and a half years. So oh, that, I really like that ratio. That,
0: yeah, how are you managing that? How is that possible? Are you robbing banks?
5: Yeah, we occasionally rob banks. That is a big part of our income. Lauren, Lauren
1: comes from a family of bank robbers. Yeah. <laughs>
5: no so we just work as bartenders and waiters right and we work hard for six months to a year and that gives us enough money to travel for a year or longer and it's as simple as that there is no bank of dad there is no credit cards there's nothing else we don't get any help from anyone so we're very proud that we've done it off our own backs just as waiters yeah a lot of
1: people just can't believe you can go that long on so little but um you know, if you take out, I mean, we, we, we go out a lot and, you know, we eat out at restaurants and stuff. But, you know, you just, if, if you don't drink a lot of your money, um, there's a lot left over. A lot of people go out and party every weekend and spend hundreds of pounds. You know, if you just put that in the kitty and yeah. you put that in the savings account, then um, at the end of the year, you've got a lot of money. go and travel so we'd rather go and spend our money on bungee jumping skydiving or scuba diving
0: but don't you think as well it's the fact that you know the people you're talking about probably your you know your peer group that you left behind back in the UK Mm -hmm. along with most people you know feel the need for that drink or that party or that escape at the weekend because they've been you know working in an office or you know, freaking yeah. up kids yeah. or trying to find a way to pay the mortgage or slogging through the rain. So you, you don't have that same compulsion, I would think, at a weekend, do you?
5: No, weekends are very different for us. We don't usually know what day of the week it is, to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we,
1: because we're in hospitality, uh, weekends tend to be our working days. So we work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Right. So our weekends are like Monday, Tuesdays when everyone's back at work or hungover from the weekend and... So it's a totally different lifestyle. We live through other people, uh, but we, you know, we love our lifestyle. And e- each to their own. Um, a lot of people, their dream is to have a family and a career and a mortgage and, and comfortability. You know, comfortability isn't of a word, but yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, to be comfortable in life um, and secure. And I guess. Once
0: got, yeah,
1: security. Yeah. And then once they've got that, they 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 kind of they're happy there and they sit on that. Which is fine, but um, I, I get itchy feet, and within six to twelve months of living in one country, yeah, I need to I need to go somewhere else. I need to fly the nest and explore the world.
0: Yeah, you're coming home for a little to, to do your laundry next week,
1: and top up the bank balance as well because we're running a bit low. We need so. to pour
5: some pints in a local pub and make <laughs> some more money because the bank balance is getting low for sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, you guys, I think I hate you actually. <laughs> you kind of live in the dream. I love the pictures that you've posted. Tell people who are listening to this for the first time and where, where they can read about you, hear about you see you as you as you we can all live vicariously through you guys
5: <laughs> Okay, so we have a Instagram which I'm constantly adding photos onto, so you can find us on Nonstop traveling right? And on that there's a link to our blog site, which is also nonstoptraveling.wordpress.com.
0: Oh, listen. Honestly, I just think you're amazing. Keep going. Keep, Thank pr- you. keep Thank proving, you, yeah. proving it can be done, and 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 keep in touch on social media, and we'll be watching everything you do. Thank you very much. We awesome. will. Thanks, Thanks very guys. Much. Thank you. That's it for episode three. Join us next time when we'll be talking to teens and dipping into their social media diaries, plus why age has nothing to do with how likely it is that we'll be scammed. Thanks to all our courageous contributors and generous guests, and to you for listening to the Stopping Scotland Scammers podcast. Produced by me, Jackie Brambles, for Broadstance Media, and brought to you by the Royal Bank of Scotland.